Is it possible that God is orchestrating the entire universe for engagements with you? I mean, let's follow the same line of thinking, yeah? So let's say with grandma, is it possible that God is even working through the difficulties that her grandma's having? Is it possible that he orchestrated it so that they would move from Wisconsin out into California? Is it possible that God has been orchestrating events since the dawn of time? As a matter of fact, I would suggest to you that's exactly what the Christmas story indicates. And the reason why the Christmas story should be so personal to you is really it's a message of if he did it then, he can do it now. That if he is that same God that can do complicated, if he's the same God that can do mess, if he's the same God that can do redemption, then he can do it for you. And I would suggest to you that God is so brilliant, he knows how to redeem even the last two years of a garbage pandemic. You understand what I'm talking about? Yeah? Yeah, praise God, he knows what he's doing, yeah? Amen. So what I want you to do as I'm talking about the Christmas story today, I want you to realize if he did it then, he can do it now. The Bible is filled with examples for us that I, I think we always call it history, but I'm pretty sure it's trying to tell us that if he did it then, he can do it now. Think about it this way. Think about stories where the Hebrew people were enslaved for hundreds of years to the Egyptian empire, and one day, God brought them out. Now, I need you to understand the depth of what I'm talking about there. They were in such deep bondage. They had never known. For generations, they had been bondage. They had no idea of being their own nation. They never dreamed about that unless they dreamed of a savior. They would look around their own circumstances and realize they're never getting out of that bondage on their own, and that is absolutely true. Then one day, God sends a man by the name of Moses to be able to say that they're about to be set free. He then rains down heaven upon them, and they're broke loose, and they get a chance to be free for the first time. We call that an incredible history story. What I'm telling you is it says there is no bondage that God cannot break. That it doesn't matter whether or not you're looking and going, man, I've been addicted to something for 35 years. I don't care whether or not it's generational, something that's been going on down your line. What I'm telling you is, if you look in your pockets for the resources to get out of the bondage, you ain't going to find it. Because with man, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible, yeah? You see, this is what I'm saying. I'm talking about when you see Jesus healing a leper, it means there is no disease in you. There is no sin stain in you. He cannot cleanse. When we see the story of the walls coming down of Jericho, it means there is no impenetrable wall God cannot break down. What I'm trying to tell you is the Bible is full of telling you what God can do in your life. That's why we study it. That's why we talk about it. That's why we're kind of obsessed with it around here. And the moment that Jesus came into this world is absolutely orchestrated. It's so easy to think that maybe it's a, it's a little bit accidental. Oh, it's interesting, you know, and Jesus came right when we switched from B.C. to A.D. That's so fascinating. Man, he just, you know, it all happened to work out. No, 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 no. That was all orchestrated. That was all perfect. You see, as a matter of fact, for hundreds and thousands of years, 
God had been telling prophet after prophet after prophet exactly how it was going to go down. Let's talk about that for a moment. In the very beginning of creation, I'm talking about Adam and Eve. I'm talking about the Garden of Eden. From the very beginning of creation, once mankind fell, God let slip a mystery. And here was the mystery. That one day, someone born of woman would crush the enemy's head. You know what that actually means? It means that a savior born into human flesh was going to redeem mankind. That was cast out right at the beginning. But it didn't stop there, yeah? 2,000 years before Jesus was born, we were told that the Messiah would come through Noah's son Shem, through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, through the tribe of Judah, through King David's line. 2,000 years ahead. Then we find out 1,400 years before to a man named Moses that we just happened to mention, we find out that the Messiah would be killed on wood, his blood would be shed, but no bones would be broken. How do we know that? Through the Passover story. And then, 500 years before Jesus was born, Daniel receives access to two different visions, one of a statue of four different metals, one of four different animals. What does that mean? He actually asked the angel that. And the angel said, these are four succeeding empires that will come upon the earth. They will pass away, and in the midst of the fourth one, will come an unending kingdom with the Messiah. And what did we learn? Sure enough, the Neo-Babylonian Empire gives way to the Medo-Persian Empire, which gives way to the Greek Empire, which gives way to the Roman Empire. There in that Roman Empire, did we not see Jesus arrive? Exactly as God called it out. 400 years before Jesus was born, we were told where he would be born, what city, and where he would grow up. 400 years before, and then it happened. Right there in the Middle East. Why the Middle East? Jesus could have been born anywhere. Why the Middle East? Well, first of all, he was going to come through the Jewish people. We knew that ahead of time. But right there in the Middle East, that was the cross-section of international travel. That was a cross-section of international communication. Is that important? It is. You see, because we needed to communicate the gospel, is it an accident that this was the first empire in the Romans that began to pave the roads and create communication highways? It was not. When Jesus launched Christianity, it went out through those roads, through those channels, and went from nowhere to world-dominating religion within 300 years. Accident? No. Orchestration. Yes? That's kind of how it works. So, God's a planner, yeah? He knows what he's doing. And God moved the whole world around for such a time as this. For such a time as this. What did that moment look like when finally it comes down to the incarnate moment? That's the fancy word for God becoming flesh and dwelling among us. When Jesus was born into this world, what did it look like? That's what we call the Christmas story. So we're going to talk about that for a moment. Would you turn with me in your Bibles? If you brought them, that's great. If not, don't worry about it. You can just sit back and listen. There are some Bibles under the seat in front of you if you want to make sure that I'm not lying, all right? Now, you're going to be in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 1, verse 26, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now, 
If you're brand new to the Bible, maybe you haven't been around the Bible very much, here's what you're going to do. You're going to grab that book, you're going to drop it open in the middle. You're going to go to the right. At first, you're going to read a whole bunch of names that you have no idea what they mean. Skip those. You're then going to get to normal names. I want you to slow down. You're almost there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's what I need you to hang out at. And So we're actually going to stop at Luke chapter 1, verse 26. We're going to read it together. Here we go. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in northern Galilee of northern Israel, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, who happened to be a descendant of King David. The virgin's name was Mary. The Lord went to her and he said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be, but the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, as I read this next portion, I need you to think about all the future tense that are about to be spoken, meaning it has not yet happened, but it will, and it's so certain it's fact. Here we go. Mary, you will be with child, and you will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. Boy, that is, he sounds awfully confident. Why? Because it's going to go exactly as it was planned. There is nothing that is going to frustrate the will of God, not in this regard. Now, there's a bit of a problem with God's plan. You see, he has already let everybody know that the Messiah is supposed to be born in Bethlehem. Now, currently, Mary and Joseph live up north. Now, this is where I want to make it a little bit more personal. Let's talk about the geography of Israel. Did you know that Israel is very similar to California? Did you know that? Did you know that we have an almost identical climate as Israel? As a matter of fact, tell me if this sounds familiar or not. In the north, there is rolling hills and a lot of rain. Down south is more deserty, and they need all the Norse water. Does that sound familiar to you? Man, I'll tell you what, you travel down, and I'll tell you what used to be there before we all of a sudden had the sprawl of L.A. and everything else. You know what you got? A lot of desert down there. And guess what? They need the water. What happens up here? Well, I don't know. There seems to be a lot of rain, a lot of rolling hills. It's almost identical. So here's the problem in our story. You see, the Messiah is supposed to be born down about L.A., and they all live in Northern California. So how in the world are we going to get them down there? Well, that's actually all orchestrated. You see, the Bible says that it just so happens that Caesar Augustus, the emperor of the Roman Empire, declares an empire-wide census. Everyone has to go home to their original family's hometown and register. Oh, guess where her fiance's from? SoCal. <laughs> so sure enough, they got to all travel down there and they got to get that signed up and everything else. And then it actually happened. You know this, Galatians 4.4 says that when the fullness of time had come, you know what that means to me? It means to me that God is tracking and he's looking at his watch, and he's like, it's almost time. He knows exactly when things are supposed to be released. He knows exactly when things are supposed to come together. He knows how to do divine appointments as if they were nothing. Well, sure enough, it says in Luke chapter 2, when they were there in Bethlehem, 
The time came for the baby to be born, and Mary gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. You've all heard this story? You all know this part? Okay, let's talk about it practically. When you're in it, it's pure mess. Because here's one thing. The problem with getting from northern Israel to southern Israel is there ain't no Highway 99. There is no Highway 5, right? As a matter of fact, you don't even have a car, and now you happen to be nine months pregnant. I don't know if it's uncomfortable to go from NorCal to SoCal when you're pregnant nine months in a car, but I can tell you it is very uncomfortable on a donkey. (laughs) And I would imagine that they're probably thinking, wow, God, you didn't plan this very well. You could have had us move down earlier. You could have had family. We don't even have a house down there. Now, all of a sudden, we got to go. It's totally inconvenient. I feel like you don't even know what you're doing. They finally get down there and go, look, see, this is what I thought. Nobody's got any room for us. I'm about to give birth. I'm not giving birth in front of a room with a whole bunch of dudes. So, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do, but you got to pull out something, and they end up in a manger. You see, in all that mess, they were all setups. It was always supposed to be that way. Looks so accidental, looks so messy, looks like such chaos. But the Savior was always going to be born in a poverty situation. He was always going to be in a humble estate. He was always going to not look fancy. God knew what he was doing. You see, perhaps, perhaps the most amazing part of the Christmas story that talks about God calling his shots, talks about God orchestrating ahead of time, actually comes through the story of the wise men. Do you know the wise men story? All right, if not, why don't you go ahead and turn with me two books back to Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. If you want to read along with me, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. You were just in Luke, back up two books. Here we go. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in southern Judea, we're now almost two years in the future, During the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, and they asked, where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. Well, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And they all answered easily, well, in Bethlehem, in Judea, of course. How did they know that? Look at the next line. You know that's what the prophet Micah wrote 700 years ago. What did he write? But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. All right. Do you know the rest of the story? And then they follow a shimmering light. Now, they look at it and they see it as a star because God was interacting them consistently with stars, and that was kind of their thing. So what a beautiful way to communicate. I would suggest to you it's the Shekinah glory of God. How do we know that? Because it hovered over a house. They follow that. They go in. They see little toddler Jesus, and they they bring him gold and frankincense and myrrh, and they fall down to worship him, and we go, wow, what a story. No, it's way bigger than that. Okay, I'm not super good with astronomy, 
I'm not sure you're good with astronomy, but can we all agree that none of us expect when we go out at night that we're going to watch stars move around, right? Like we are moving, we are rotating, unless some of you still think it's flat. (laughs) Anyway, as we are rotating, we realize that, that the whole sky looks like it's moving, but it's moving in a very predictable pattern because we're moving in a predictable pattern. And constellations are not switching sides, but as they move across the night sky, we get to interact with them differently. Are we all clear that stars don't actually move, right? That they're actually in a fixed place. When did God set the stars in place? According to Psalms, it was before any man was on this planet and God flung the stars into the sky. Are you telling me that before mankind was even on this planet, God set the constellations in a perfect clock so that at the moment that the Messiah needed to be born, the constellations would align and he'd call the Magi? Come on. There wasn't even sin yet, and he's working the plan of redemption. Wow. Now, I think this is a beautiful time to ask the question, what does this have to do with me? Pastor, we are quite clear. You're a Bible nerd. We get it. Why am I here? Here's why. It has everything to do with your life. You see... Because God's doing the same thing. If I tell you that God has a plan and a purpose for your life, you're going to have all kinds of excuses for me. Yeah, I'm not really that religious, and well, that's not really my thing, and, and you know, I have all kinds of issues. I don't think you know, Pastor, what I've done in my life. You know, I'm kind of unsavable, and blah, 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 blah. You're going to give me a billion reasons why God can't reach you. They're all garbage. God's ability to save is greater than our ability to sin. God's ability to reach us is greater than our ability to run away. God's ability to love us is greater than our ability to become unlovable. All I'm trying to tell you is you're giving yourself too much credit. I think that God is so good at loving you that he's going to pursue you from the moment he knits you together until the moment you walk off this planet. I'm going to tell you this. God is working behind the scenes, and all of it looks like mess. The only time you ever seem to recognize the hand of God is in retrospect, is it not? Let's play that game. You remember that time in your past, right, when you were supposed to die in that car accident, but you didn't? And someone kept saying, oh, I can't believe that you lived through that. God must have a plan for you, right? You remember that? How about the time that you were super sick and then you ended up getting well? What about that, that time when you thought, I'm going to lose my, my life because I'm totally hopeless and in despair, and then some comfort came in from out of nowhere? All I'm saying is that there are moments in your life when God comes near and his love begins to melt your heart. But God is so good at this. Every time you're in it, it looks accidental. It looks like it's a mess. We can believe God for the past, but we have a hard time believing him for the present. So easy to realize, man, in the past, God was so good to his followers, but he doesn't have a clue how to run my life today. Does anything sound a little odd about that? You see, God works in mess. God works in mess. God works in mess. Anybody got mess in your life? Man, all I got is mess. 
But I got to tell you, here's my story. Most of you that go to Bridgeway, you know my story. For the rest of you, let me give you a recap. I wasn't born here. I was born in Southern California. Southern California in a place called Pasadena. I was born in Huntington Memorial on the greatest day of the year, my birthday. <laughs> the only problem with being born on New Year's Eve is everyone cheers when it's over. <laughs> Very depressing. Moving on. You see, I was born, and then when I was three years old, suddenly my dad goes from a teacher and he gets his first principal's job in education from a K-8 school, and it happens to be called Franklin School, and it happens to be in this weird place called Loomis. <laughs> so we come up here. My family doesn't have a lot of money. We were relatively poor, and so we couldn't afford any of the places to build a house, so we either had to choose one low-income area or another. One was called Granite Bay. The other was El Dorado Hills. <laughs> See, all the rest were horse property, and they wouldn't cut parcels down, so we couldn't afford the other one. So we ended up choosing El Dorado Hills. As a matter of fact, my mom still lives in the same neighborhood that we moved into when I was three. I'll go back there just today to go hang out and do Christmas with my family, but it's the same neighborhood. But then... I began to grow up in that area as a very scared little kid. You guys know my story of having panic disorder throughout my whole life. Started when I was six years old. Very scared. My dad and my mom got divorced when I was seven. I didn't have a father in the house. Even though my father loved me, I didn't have a role model in the house. You see, as a matter of fact, it was those scary times, those difficult times, that God began to get close to me. My mom, wanting us to have stability, sent us to Christian school where I was trained up in the Bible every day so that I would have that Bible knowledge. I then got into music, and I thought that music was going to be it. I did it for years and years and years, and then it all fell apart, and God pulled it away from me. And I kept thinking, God, where you're either having chaos or you don't care anymore. I was about to go down south to schooling when a church called. They asked if I would guest speak. Well, you know what? The one thing I never wanted to be was a pastor. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> Over 24 years later, here I am in a very, very influential church serving people that I love, and God orchestrated it all out of mess. So here's what I'm telling you. I am not that impressed with whether or not you can see the hand of God, because here's why. He's too complicated. I just need you to trust that He knows what He's doing. He is working behind the scenes in your life. Now, I will tell you this. There are going to be moments that God's going to quiet all the noise, and he just has one message for you, and it's this. I love you more than you can ever imagine. Now, I know that because he knit you together in your mother's womb. I know that because he wants a relationship with you right now. You see, too often, too often, we doubt these types of things. God, you don't love me. God, you've abandoned me. But he's trying to tell you, I love you. I built you to be with me. And so here's my message to you. I don't want you living one more day disconnected from your God. We have this whole thing about, well, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. Hold up. Why are you not in heaven right now? Because the Bible says that when Jesus got here, he said the kingdom of God is here. 
That means wherever Jesus is, is the kingdom. If Jesus is in your heart, that means the kingdom's here right now. That means you don't need to wait to get to heaven until you die. It means that eternal life starts at the moment you fall in love with Jesus. Amen? You were built to live forever. You know that. You know death is weird. You know death seems odd to you. But when you are a believer, when Jesus Christ saves you, you simply go from one type of glory and graduate to another type of glory. And that suddenly seems to make more sense. You see, God does stuff like this. He quiets all the noise, shuts everything down, puts together a service, and forces you to come to it through your relatives. <laughs> For one message, God loves you more than you can ever imagine. Maybe that moment is right now. So let's make it super personal, yeah? Why do we do all this, right? I mean, it's, it's an awful lot of stuff. Why do we build the stages that we build and we bring in actors and dancers and, of course, a whole bunch of those are just folks that used to be just sitting right where you are. <laughs> Why do we have the band and all the, the stuff? It's just one reason, to create a date moment with you and God. The whole reason for all of this is just to have you have time with the Lord, to feel His love, to be melted by His compassion. So that's what we're doing. So let's talk about it. There are I'm just going to pray us out, and then we end up having one more song with the team, and I'm going to be praying for two groups of people. One of those is for those of you that in this moment, God's love happened to reach you, but for the first time, that now you're listening to me, and, and everything I'm saying, it's, it's resonating with you. You're kind of even a little bit nervous about the idea that I think pastor's talking about me and, and I'm going to talk about you being rescued and saved and starting a relationship with God and you're, you're thinking, yes, I want that. You see, the big hesitation between us and God in the past has always been our pride. As long as you think you got this, you don't have a savior because you're it. You're your own savior. So I guess Jesus isn't for you. But if there's a moment when you realize not only do you not have a plan for your afterlife, you're not even quite sure that you're living up to what you were built to do right now. You see, that's when the pride starts to fall and you start to feel the love of God. So I'm going to be praying for you. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to talk about it like this. Jesus came to make sure you got reattached with God. Jesus came to die for your sins, to trade his perfect life for yours. That all of your brokenness and your baggage, he said, I'll take care of. You can have my righteousness and my freedom and my purity. That's what he's offering to you. But he said, you see, the only way that's going to be effective is if you actually let me come in and bring overhaul and take over. So if you're willing to do that, I'm going to pray you through that prayer. And your relationship with God can begin now. But there's also a bunch of us in this room that we are excited through the Christmas season because they're talking about our Jesus. We're talking about our King. We're talking about our Savior. We already know all that stuff. And we are fired up about Him and we love Him and we know that there's more we're gonna grow in. But this is the point that I wanna pray for you. We are still human beings. 
We're still going through hurts and challenges. Some of us have sickness. Some of us have loss. Some of us just need the comfort of God. Some of us need a miracle from God. Some of us need our hope restored, right? So whatever it is, I'm going to pray a blessing over you. What a beautiful season. The Bible says that all good gifts come from the Father of lights above. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the one that knows how to give good gifts. So here's what we're going to pray. I don't know what you got for Christmas, but it's not as cool as whatever the Holy Spirit's about to bring you. Yeah? So I'm going to pray a blessing over you, and then we'll be able to celebrate our King, and we'll walk out of here with our heads held high. Yeah? You ready to do that? Let's do that. Heavenly Father, right now in this quiet moment, in a moment where you, you took everything out of the picture, and now it's just us and you. Lord God, what pastor's talking about, I want that. I want a connection with you. I'm willing to give you my whole life. I don't need it anymore. I don't want to run this thing. I don't even know how to run it. All I know right now, God, is that I need more of you. What I need is to be awakened. What I need is that core that I've always felt has just been sitting there dormant, that it would come alive because of you, Jesus. So whatever you did, Jesus, whatever pastor's talking about, would it be true for me right here, right now? I admit I am a sinner. I admit I am broken and I need to be rescued. And so I say, pride be gone. And Jesus, would you come to me? Would you enter into my heart and begin to build me and restore me and refresh me and cleanse me right here in this moment? I give you my life. And Lord, there's a whole bunch of us that are your worshipers. We already believe in you. We walked in convinced, we're walking out convinced. But Lord Jesus, we have a lot of needs that we would love to lay before you. You told us not to be anxious about anything, but with all things by prayer and petition, present them before you. So right now, God, we are saying we lay our needs before you. Lord, some of us need guidance. Would you give us discernment? Lord, there's some of us that need healing. Would you rain down healing upon us now? There are some of us right now, Lord, we need restoration in our relationships. Would you begin to move? Some of us, Lord, are worried about our kiddos. Right now, we put them in your hands and we ask that you would do a miracle. We are saying, Lord God, that we have so many needs and you know exactly what we need. We don't have to beg you. You already know it. You're already ready to give us good gifts. So in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you just release your gifts right now. And Father, we're going to praise you for every single answered prayer. We're going to praise you for what we see and what we don't see. We're going to praise you for what we know and we don't even yet know. We're going to praise you for what you did, what you're doing, and what you're about to do. God, you are glorious. May you be glorified in our midst. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.